0: And Welcome to Crown Corner, the podcast for and about Charlotte FC. I'm Will Palancic alongside Jessica Charman, and we are your broadcast home for Charlotte FC on the radio and during the week here on Crown Corner. The preseason is over and match week is here, Jess, and I know that I speak for a lot of Charlotte FC fans and people who are watching and saying, thank goodness we finally have a match to play for that involves points that count.
1: Oh my goodness. It feels like it's been a forever wait. It's been exciting to see the team play in preseason, but nothing in this world compares to kicking off and actually competing, like you say, for three points. We get that on Saturday against DC United. A little bit disappointing that it's not at home. I would have loved, you know, the first game to be at home in front of an incredible crowd. But on the road, we know there's loads of supporters traveling down and we're going to make it a fortress. And it's just, I can't believe it's almost here, Will.
0: It is. And I feel like when you think about the way things went in Charleston, you saw a constant build. You had the first game against Charleston Battery, where you played against a team that really treated that like a World Cup final. And we're just trying to kind of figure ourselves out from an 11 on 11 standpoint. You saw real, I guess, an upgrade, I guess, in play from the Charleston game to the Columbus game, especially in that second half, they really dominated the last forty-five. They carried that into the game against Inter Miami, despite the score line. I do feel like this team is getting better, though, as the preseason went on, and of course as they get ready to kick it off for real,
1: without a doubt. And I've been adamant that when we look at preseason, it's all about growing, it's about developing, it's about learning a system. We got to give these guys credit. I mean, they've only been training together five, six weeks as a whole, so you expect that it's the first real competitive moments they've had in front of a crowd. And as you say, it was night and day from the first performance to the third performance. You could see people were getting more comfortable. They were learning what was expected from them and how to play alongside people that they've only met, like I say, a matter of weeks ago. So really excited about that. And also I can just imagine on Saturday, there's gonna be a whole different feeling among these players, right? Like there's one thing getting prepped and ready for a preseason game. There's another thing getting prepped for your first MLS you know, time wearing these jerseys in a competitive game. So really excited. We
0: encourage you to reach out to us, uh, however you are listening to us or viewing us on Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. You can comment, and we will give you those comments opportunities throughout our podcast. And we'll also be giving you a chance to ask questions of us at the end of the podcast as part of our Matt's burning questions. You can't see Matt right now, but Matt is our producer engineer. He will come on with us in the last segment to compile the most questions that you guys have for us throughout the podcast. And here on the the podcast today, we're going to talk to Charlotte FC defensive uh, center back Anton Walks. He's going to join us uh, coming up in a couple of minutes. We're also going to talk to Stephen goff who covers the washington covers the uh, dc united for the washington post he is their soccer insider has covered a bunch of mls cups as well as the world cup and we'll also do a supporters section spotlight where we will sit down with david gussler of mint city collective going into our last opportunity to see charlotte on the pitch a 2-1 defeat at the hands of inner miami a goal scored against the run of play which is something miguel and how ramirez said after the game was a bit unfair but he also said that in the second half, he liked the chances that they were getting. He just wants more service into the box and more balls into the 18-yard area to get the team some more chances at goal.
2: I was missing delivering more balls inside the box. I was saying to je to Adam, uh, we had people inside the box. We need to deliver, you know, and something will happen. And one ball that we deliver, one penalty. So... But yeah, I mean, there are details that that we need to adjust and improve and keep, you know, keep keep working on.
1: And when you hear that, Will, I think what's really encouraging is that he's noticing that players are in the correct positions within the box. A lot of times with teams, it's the opposite way around. Players are getting deliveries in, but they're not making those runs into the right areas. They're not getting into spaces that would create goal scoring opportunities. So real big improvements. And as he said. You know, they got the chance, they got the penalty, they got the goal, and it was a nervous time watching that penalty. Thank goodness it went in.
0: Yeah, it was great to see Christian McCoon score that penalty against his former squad. I'm also kind of wondering as well, you know, So much of the way that other sports work is that you kind of try to play vanilla in the preseason. You don't want to show too much. And that was even something Miguel said after the game. He said, you know what? You know, we're trying to get the basics down. We're trying to get the the basic game model down and the the basic principles. And we'll start focusing more on going for goal once these matches count for real. The last thing you want to do is try to tip your hand when these games don't count.
1: Yeah, without a doubt i think it's one of those things where you don't want to give away too many secrets you want to keep your cards close to your chest and honestly i think the most important thing to develop in pre-season is understanding the model it's getting it right playing out the back and the rest of the things will come and i truly believe chemistry is going to be a key component and chemistry can only get built with minutes together and spending time on the pitch so Uh, I think we're going to see a huge improvement. Like we said, from game one to three was huge. Imagine from opening day to April. It's a very long season. There's a lot of matches in a quick, short space of time.
0: And Miguel Angel Ramirez spoke to that improvement following the 2-1 defeat at the hands of Inter Miami on Saturday night.
2: First day, I saw individual behaviors that they... They are doing better, and they are understanding much better in terms of a structure. Because for me, the most important now is is the structure. I mean, how they need to position themselves and uh, attacking and defending. And from now on, that they have the basics, uh, we will go like more specific in the trainings, specific situations how to do how to do in this situation, in this third. In so now with the with the with the league with the weeks, we will go more deeper on that.
0: And I do feel like, Jess, when you think about this team and and how they're developing, there's obviously a great structure with the spine and the back. It's all about, though, trying to find that link up with the midfield and also trying to figure out who exactly is going to be able to penetrate when it comes to that numerical superiority in the front three, especially when you get Carol Swiderski involved as well.
1: Definitely, and like the coach is saying, the structure is what he wants to focus on first. He wants the team to be organized because if you're organized in this system, you can have a success. If you're disorganized, you're gonna give away chances in the back. He wants to make sure everything is solid before they really start taking risks. The key word, as we've emphasized time and time again, unfortunately, is patience, which is difficult. Understandably, you, know, you wanna go out and you want everything to be perfect instantly, but that's just not a, a realistic expectation. It's going to take time, but what's so encouraging is that structure is getting more solid like you say and then you're going to be able to find as the link up gets better as the chemistry gets better you're going to be able to find those penetrating passes that create opportunities and create numerical overloads the main goal is to have more players able to play with the ball and create space and and get in and behind the defenders
0: Let's take a look at the minutes played and the breakdown when it comes down to who played the most with regards to Charlotte FC and kind of getting into how exactly this breaks down from a Charlotte perspective as we, we look uh, to try and figure out who the starting 11 on this side is. And I do feel like with regards to a lot of these guys from a, a real, what I would call just intrinsic perspective perspective. A guy like Jalen Lindsay, who has experience in this league, I feel like that's something that really stands out to me in terms of how you go about figuring out who's going to be on the the pitch the most for Charlotte.
1: Absolutely. Um, I've got to get those slides up real quick. Looks like they won't. (laughs)
0: <laughs> there they are
1: and there we go technical difficulties on the first one as you said Jalen Lindsay leading the side in minutes and he's a young player but he has some experience I thought he really led the way in that back line Joseph Mora uh, another player that has something to prove and I'm sure we'll get into that him facing DC you know on the weekend Sergio Ruiz Alan Franco in the midfield I think they have really improved throughout the times that we saw them in Charleston a little bit you know, um, jittery at times, but they're very strong on the ball. They just need to, as you mentioned, Will, get used in possession. And I know you're a fan of Guzman Carujo
3: hmm
0: Carujo is very great. A stout guy in the center back position. One of the things that Miguel Angel Ramirez says is he wants to have, you know, that stout build and, and the ability to, to win 1v1 duels and to win aerials. And I feel like Carujo is, is big in that area. And a guy who also stands out to me, and he's kind of been, I don't want to say I've been the, the trumpeter when it comes to his fan club, is Chris Hagart, right there at the bottom. You know, he's somebody who, at a very, very young age, is stepping into this this club and you know, only really has the, the first team preseason experience with Seattle. Played last year with Georgetown, went very, very deep in the NCAA tournament. But he's somebody who has a lot of technical skill right away, and I do feel like he's only going to grow as a player as this season goes on and as his career goes on here at Charlotte.
1: A hundred percent. And I was so impressed because he plays with a maturity. I I think that a lot of the times young players, particularly in America where they go to college, it's a big jump from the collegiate game to professional soccer, but he plays with a maturity and he hasn't skipped a beat. He's confident with the ball. He's willing to speak to the players. I think that's another thing that I've been really impressed with. He's a very vocal player. And sometimes with young players, you're, you're not used to seeing that. The young players kind of don't want to become leaders, but he's really stepped up and made an impact in the middle.
0: A guy who can be a leader for this squad is Brant Bronico. He spoke with us after the game on Saturday and talked about just how exactly he feels this group is trying to not only learn the game model but also play together.
4: Of like learning each other. Uh, we're a new group. Uh, we've been together for four and a half, five weeks now. Um, and just kind of being together and playing together uh, so frequently. Uh, we have, We get another week before D.C., um, so hopefully we can learn each other more and build more chemistry before that game.
0: How ready do you think this group is to play a full 90 against an MLS squad for points?
4: Uh, I mean, look, I think we're ready. You know, we have a great group of guys, uh, very talented guys, guys that want to work for each other. Um, and I think we'll show that next week against D.C.
1: And I love that positivity. He just sounds so confident. And we've spoken about it, you know, in the last couple of minutes about how chemistry is key, how time it is very important. He understands that. And I love that the side is truly showing that patience and understanding, but also the confidence. You know, they've been labeled as an underdog. They've been written off by a lot of journalists already, but they believe in themselves that they are improving every week. And they're very excited to get on the pitch and truly show in a competitive match what they can do.
0: Looking at the keeper minute. It's something that I know is very near and dear to your heart, Jess. As somebody who played goal for Clayton State and abroad with Reading, uh, this is going to be an interesting and it has been an interesting battle over the course of the season when it comes to who's played the most. It looks like Christian Kalina is the projected starter, but I do feel like they did see a lot from George Marks, especially early, as somebody who can profile for them as an option, especially down the road after he signed himself his first professional contract just earlier this week.
1: Absolutely. Congratulations to George Marks. I mean, it was a big step for him and he got put into the first match, which is always a difficult situation as well. I I thought he played well. He's a young goalkeeper. A lot of goalkeepers take time to mature and find their ways, but he came in. He was very vocal, bossed around. His defenders love to see that. Obviously still needs some adjustment when it comes to the system. Christian Kalina just has that more experience with his feet. He looked more confident with the ball at his feet, more natural um, in taking those touches, and slightly more confident in finding what can be very difficult passes. For a goalkeeper, you're kind of trained to play it away from your goal a lot of the time. And, and when you're growing up, you're you're taught to, you know, go long, clear your back line. It's going to have to be an adjustment for keepers that are raised that way now. They have to find penetrating passes into people into the midfield. You're playing it between, you know, a pressing line sometimes. So a very difficult style. We saw 45 minutes of Pablo Cisniega right at the end. And he, he played well, he did okay, but 45 minutes, I, I think we can only expect that Kalina is the starting goalkeeper come Saturday.
0: And I loved uh, what Kalina said yesterday during his comments with the media. He said that this is a group that, quite honestly, will look between night and day from the first match to what we might see a month or two from now.
2: Very good connection now and normal.
5: From the season, we will grow up, we will grow up and... uh... Who knows how we will start and uh, maybe we will play from the first round perfect football for us and we will grow up small or maybe we will not start so good but then after one, two months you will see that uh, this club have quality and this club have very good players.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love the way that he's understanding again, it seems like there's a very common notion between all these players, everyone is on the same wavelength and with a new side that can be different. Everyone seems to understand. That there's fantastic quality within the team it just needs a little bit of time to merge together and he seems very confident with the side he has in front of him which is so important as a goalkeeper speaking from experience you have to believe in who's in front of you you have to trust particularly again if you're making those risky passes if you're being asked to give the ball to someone you have to trust they're not going to turn it over and put you in a sticky situation will
0: Exactly. And I do feel like you need somebody there in that position who has the confidence with the ball at his feet just because of the fact that it is a game model that if, involves the goalkeeper a lot and probably more so than, than really any that we've seen, at least at the MLS level, uh, looking at some guys who are getting their first MLS experience. In the matches in Charleston, Ben Bender played the final 45 against Inter Miami. Coa Santos also uh, got himself his first professional contract uh, earlier this week here for Charlotte. Chris Thaggard, also the the young, under-17, under-15 guy. He's a a real, real great, promising scouted-out player for Charlotte. He played 35 minutes throughout the tournament. He's been training with the first team, someone with a lot of raw skill and just trying to kind of find his way in this club, but... I really liked how silky Ben Bender looked in that final 45. He really took command and, and had knowledge beyond his years.
1: hundred percent. And one thing I've emphasized with Ben Bender is his soccer IQ. When he talks about the game, he is so intellectual about it. He understands. And it's that soccer IQ that you need in a complex system. I think he's a player that is going to surprise a lot of people with the amount of minutes that he's able to earn himself in MLS this season, Will.
0: We are here on Crown Corner. We encourage you, of course, to tweet us your questions at WFNZ on Twitter or on Facebook at WFNZ if you're watching us on either of those and also find us on Twitch on the WFNZ Twitch channel. We're going to hear a little bit on the D.C. side from Stephen Goff in just a moment, but first we will hear from Anton Walks, center back on a, on our very, very, I would say, stacked position for this club there's about five guys i feel like who could start at that position anton walks is one of them and he joined us earlier here on crown corner we come to you on the crown corner podcast as we get you ready for the opening match for charlotte fc against dc united man who is Someone who came over in the expansion draft from Atlanta United is one of the center backs on this squad. Anton walks. He joins us here on the crown corner podcast after training as we get you ready for the match. Anton, Willie P and Jess here with you. How has training gone so far for you?
3: Uh, It's been good. Uh, Very competitive. I think everybody's really looking forward to opening day. It's been a, a long process for all of us. There's been a lot of, new stuff to adjust to and yeah we're just excited to get out there and put on a showcase and hopefully get a good result
1: we got to see you in action in charleston what your main takings from those three matches that you got to play in
3: um that there's still room for improvement i think that's the main thing i think um personally i was frustrated in some of the games just in terms of how much quality was being portrayed because i know we was so much better than what we put out at times but the ideas were there, so that's definitely a starting point, and we can hold our heads high because in the time frame that we've had, we've definitely worked on and learned so much so far, so there's only good things from now. Mm-hmm. on the,
0: the impression I get from a lot of the players is that it's very hard to play through this because you're thinking about so much in terms of the game model. How difficult is it to, to kind of play instinctively without having to think where the ball is supposed to go next?
3: It's definitely hard because uh, everybody's probably used to some type of habits which go against this new model and, you know, it takes some time to get used to it because it's a very ambitious style and we need to have a lot of quality to be able to to produce in this system. And I feel we've got the quality to do so in the squad. And it's just about confidence and, you know, consistency and time. And we've got all of those things, I feel, ahead of us. And it's something for sure looking forward to. It
1: you talk about consistency we got to see you play as a back two center back pairing and as a back three center back which one do you feel most comfortable in and why
3: um i'm not going to limit my options i think just being okay on, i think, love that that's great yeah, <laughs> i'd be happy i think um i'm capable of playing in both i feel mm-hmm. i'm still improving and there's still elements to my game i need to work on in those systems but i feel if i'm putting in either one of those Scenarios, I feel comfortable, and I feel I can do a very good job for the team. Yeah,
1: I'm not gonna very lie to you, player.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you, Anton. When I saw you up there close to the halfway line in that back three game, I thought, man, <laughs> that's about as far up as I've seen you on something that wasn't a set piece. Uh, knowing your days back in Atlanta, how how much is that an adjustment for you in terms of kind of
3: where you've played previously? Um, obviously it's new in recent years, but back to when i was younger there was times where i did play in midfield and it's something i feel comfortable with and it's just coming back to terms and finding the rhythm i think that's the main thing i think once you get the rhythm and you just get used to being in them scenarios again i think you get more comfortable and all the information we get given from a goal, you know it's it's only going to help us so it's just making mm-hmm. sure that we can just stay sharp and just take on as much information and portray it as quick as possible
1: Absolutely. Look, enough about the past. On to the future. How excited are you to get kicked off on Saturday? I mean, it's been a long time coming.
3: Uh, I think it's going to be, a, you know, a good experience. It's uh, it's unfortunate that it's not, you know, at home, but mm-hmm. this gives us something forward to look ahead of. And um, yeah, it's just one of those things where, again, everybody's anxious and rearing to go, and hopefully the fans will be pleased with the end result.
0: I know that it's now about the time is when you start looking at what the opponent looks like. We know D.C. is a team that has had some defections. Uh, They might have some players who you might have thought were going to start but might not with uh, with Ola Kamara and obviously some other changes there under their second-year head coach Hernan Lozada. What do you notice about them tactically and also just from the standpoint of what you guys are doing to try to prepare for the squad you'll see in the starting 11 on Saturday night?
3: Um, I know we took two of their better players, that's for sure. I think. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> uh, that's a good thing. Um, yeah, it, you can't really look into opposition too much. I think it's too early to be worrying about what other teams are going to do. It's about us and making sure we can enjoy. You know, it's a big day for the club, and there is some pressure that comes with it, but most importantly, I think us and the fans and everybody involved that's built the club up, we just need to make sure we enjoy the first experience.
1: And you talk about the fans, we've been following a lot of them on Twitter. It seems like there's going to be a decent crowd traveling up uh to, to DC. What does that mean to you guys as players, knowing that you've got fans already willing to travel, you know, across the country to come see you play?
3: Oh, we're we're grateful for that commitment for sure. I think, you know, we gotta make them proud. Most importantly, I think they're gonna be supporting us regardless. I think just by the way they came out to Charleston, we could see how they're gonna support us, but you know it's a big day it's a very historical day and again we're just going to make sure we enjoy it and give it the best effort we've got
0: Anton, you mentioned the grudge match element uh, with Joseph Mora and Jordi Reyna, two players who were on DC United who are now with the squad here. We got to see a lot of both of those guys. Mora, of course, at left back and then uh, Reyna playing more of the, the forward position. What have you noticed from each of those two guys? Reyna seems very technically sound on the ball and, and more as a guy who I feel like can play all over the field.
3: Yeah, I think that quality speaks for itself. Is you know, a blessing that we've got them. And the fact that they played with each other, it kind of makes it a bit easier on that side. I think they've got a bit more of an understanding. And, you know, that's one of the things that we've been trying to work on is relationships. And the fact that them two have have had the time to play with each other in the past, you know, it, it plays into our factor. So I'm sure they're going to be very eager to go there and prove a point and get a little bit of revenge. And, you know, we're going to go out there and put on a fight for them as well
1: love that love that something we try and do at crown corner is get to know you as a person as well we talk a lot about soccer in the media all the time but we want to get to know you anton who's your biggest inspiration when it comes to soccer who's helped you get to where you are today
3: oh, it has to be my family i think um all of them have played apart from my mom my dad my brother and my sister i think they are fairly young a lot younger than i am and When I was getting, you know, driven across the whole of London and England at times, they were there with me. So I'm sure they missed out on a lot of fun activities and things like that. My parents sacrificed a lot of time and money to make sure I get in this position. And again, without that support system, I know for sure I wouldn't be in this position today. And, you know, I'm forever grateful to that.
0: Something that you and I have talked about on a couple of occasions is your background with Tottenham and and obviously going back to those days and and your love of that. In terms of just coming over here to America on more than a couple of occasions, how has that been not only received by your family, but those you know in the game in England? Because I know that this league had a reputation as being a retirement league and being a league that didn't necessarily stack up to the rest of the world leagues but that reputation has changed a lot over the years and right now is is trying to challenge some of those top four and five leagues in europe
3: yeah for sure i think um to compete with the best there's still a long way to go but i'm sure or oh, i know for certain people's eyes are starting to open up and they're realizing this league's not a league that can be slept on the way it has been in the past i think it's for sure not a retirement league if you think Mm -hmm. you're going to come here, you're going to be in for a big surprise. I've said that, but going back to when I first came here, a lot of people, you know, were confused with my decision. Mm -hmm. But I just looked at, like, some of the players that were here now. Like, for example, Thierry Henry, I always wanted to play with him or against him, and he was here when I first started watching the league, and that's what kind of caught my eye. And when I realised there's opportunities to play against and with these types of caliber players, I couldn't really turn down the opportunity, but... Again, I've had people that have reached out to me and asked me about the experience and I'll speak highly of it. I think I wouldn't trade the position I'm in right now for a different one. I feel this is perfect for me um, in an environment which I like personally and on the field and off of it. So I really can't complain and I recommend this experience to people all the time.
1: I definitely think in England, the the perceptions are changing a lot. You know, For me, talking to people back home, they're actually watching the games in England. They're played on Sky Sports, all of that. So I think it's definitely growing, um, and the respect is building in England as well. What do you feel are some of the differences in the style of play over here? Obviously, you went back and played in England again between your stints um, with Atlanta United. What would you say are some of the biggest adjustments about coming to play in the States?
3: I think just the physical demands that come with playing here is ridiculous. I think we're playing up against guys who are full-on athletes. You know, they're some of the quickest, some of the sharpest, just like dominant players in the world. And mentally, I think that's another thing that comes into it because some of these games, you feel like you're mentally about to, like, (laughs) and you can't do that in games. You know, you're drained. Sometimes you get off the field and you just want to sleep straight away, you know? (laughs) I definitely say that's probably the biggest thing, just the physical and the mental side. But obviously the quality comes with that. But I feel where you really have to dig in in this league is with your uh, mentality on the field because there's no room for error here.
0: We know that you have a very great reputation on the pitch, but also you have a very great reputation that precedes you on the sticks and that meaning the uh, the FIFA circuit as well. We've talked a lot about that with you in the past. (laughs) have you been able to to organize anything with the rest of the club and uh, has anyone come to at least pass you as the fifa
3: master on the club Oh uh, well i took my playstation to charleston and um
1: whoa it came on the road say, let's
3: just say <laughs> i had a few visitors in my room and <laughs> none of them left their very much success i think <laughs> you know adam alma is one of them Rand Bronico is fairly decent. He did give me a tough game, but he didn't leave with the win. And uh, Christian Fuchs, uh, he had a tough time. You need to ask him when you catch up with him. <laughs> but
1: he's got, a, he's got a Premier League title, so we can we can leave him on the FIFA. I, I got feel like full, uh, Fuchs. One- <laughs> F- Fuchs.
0: is an old dude, man. I can't, I can't see Fuchs hitting the sticks like like somebody who's who's got a little bit more experience. I, I don't think that that's he- that. I don't think that's his game.
3: He likes a bit of e-gaming so i you know had to introduce him to the you know best of the best
1: <laughs> if you had to call out who who do you call out for next for next game who do you think might have any sniff of a chance
3: I, honestly i i don't know who <laughs> i've tried to get it going i think um I'm, yeah no one really talks about fifa much which oh. is kind of worrying. so i'm confident that yeah, not
0: many of them guys can give me a game. There's uh, there was one thing that was said. Uh, I can't remember if it was it came from Miguel or if it came from one of the players, but it was after the Columbus game where you guys kind of got together as a group, and that was kind of one of the first opportunities where you decided on your own to go as a group for a, a group meal. How has you have you seen this group grow together? And even in that Columbus game, you guys had the the brawl that took place. It seemed like that was a real galvanizing moment for this group
3: um without making it sound bad but those situations you kind of need them because it kind of reveals how close you are and i think we dealt with it in the right way you know you wouldn't have thought you know these guys met each other a few weeks ago you know we was fighting for each other that we've known each other for a very long time and It's not a good situation to be in, but I think you have to stand up and you have to be ready to support each other in this league because there's times where things don't go your way and it's about staying together. That goes from, you know, little incidents on the field to results to things personally. And just to be in that situation where, you know, all the numbers came together and we really had each other's backs, it's just a good sign and, you know, it's a positive thing and you can keep moving on from that.
0: Well, we've enjoyed having you as we always do. It's uh, very much an opportunity for us to kind of get to know the players themselves. And uh, I know that in the times that we've talked with you, we've always enjoyed it. And we hope to see you soon. And uh, we wish not only for you guys to do well on the pitch Saturday, but bring back three points so that we can have those for us until when we see you on the uh, on the pitch at Bank of America Stadium. Thank you, Anton. Good luck this weekend
3: and the rest thank of the season. So much thank, thank you for having me. Take care.
0: That is Anton Walks who joined us a little bit yesterday after uh, training and uh, we know Anton picked up a knock. We hope that he's able to go on Saturday night. Uh, We do also want to point out, you know, for for a lot of you, I know that you understand the situation involving Carol Swiderski, the uh, the visa issue and and passport issue is something that uh, is kind of bubbling underneath uh, the surface here when it comes to this game coming up on Saturday. We still don't know about his status, but uh, Mm -hmm. we know that it's a temporary thing and we do at least feel like uh, that's something that should be shorted out in short order. But with that in mind, we did want (laughs) to at least bring you our first look at kind of what Jess and I thought the ideal lineup will be for Charlotte FC when they line up for real. Here's mine, and I I didn't necessarily do this off the bat. I, I had Mora in there initially at left back, but for as many minutes as we saw Christian Fuchs play, and the fact that he had the captain's armband in the opening match, I feel like Maybe Miguel on Hel Ramirez is gonna lean with experience there and have him mm-hmm. play left back. I, I have Carujo and Walks again, assuming health on Walks being the two center backs, Jalen Lindsay on the right side. Really love the way that he delivers the ball. From that right side, I've got Jordi Alcívar in holding midfield, Ruiz and Franco flanking him. I've got Reyna and uh, Titi Ortiz on the wings. TT kind of being more of a room, room to roam kind of guy. And then of course Swiderski up top. In what will basically uh, play looking like a four-three-three, but one of the things that Miguel said in his comments during the preseason is that formation is a is a whole mood. He, he likes to have things flow a little bit, very fluid yes all right what do you got
1: on the flip side look i got something slightly different because who knows what's going to happen with these players that are missing um i went with a back three of three center backs instead just that we saw that down in charleston in the final match McCoon, uh carujo and walks fingers crossed walks is back hopefully it's just a very minor knock and he'll be able to play i think them as a back three are very solid, they have athleticism, they have jewels. Um, very excited to see them at the back. Maura and Lindsay as my fullbacks, uh, love to see them drive forward as much as possible. Alcivar in that holding mid position, which is obviously very important with the style that we want to play. He's got to check in, receive the ball, be confident on it. Ruiz and Franco, uh, the other midfielders, and then Reina and Ortiz up top. As you mentioned, we're not sure about Swiderski, so right now I'm gonna go with that formation based on the fact that Swiderski is a maybe we're really hoping he can get those visa issues sorted out ASAP because I was really impressed with how he grew in in Charleston
0: and I do feel like T.T. Ortiz is a guy who I feel like that's one guy Miguel is absolutely in love with he knows Mm -hmm. the game model they have previous experience with him and I also feel like he's a guy who. Uh, Miguel said can play really any position on the pitch. You said and he's is well willing to,
1: Will. I think yes. that's the biggest thing. It's not just about the ability. It's about the willingness. You know, there's a lot of players that could probably play in other positions, but the minute you put them where they don't favor to be, their heads drop. Ortiz is the sort of player that will play 150% for you no matter where you put him, whether it's a freaking defender, he'll still do the best he can for the side. So I love his attitude when it comes to playing the beautiful game.
0: We are live on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. We'd also like to have you subscribe to any of those that correspond with WFNZ and ask us your comments. Matt's burning questions will come in the final segment of the podcast. We'll give you an opportunity to ask your questions, and uh, if you get them in early, we can answer them as we go throughout the podcast. We also want to let you know the tickets are still available for Charlotte FC's Inaugural home match at Bank of America Stadium on March the 5th, a week from this coming Saturday, against LA Galaxy. They got about less than 10,000 seats remaining, all in the lower. We've got a record
1: to break, Will. It's a record to break.
0: We need to beat that record from the city to the south. Uh, They have the record. We want to take that uh, away from them, looking to have 74,000 in Bank of America Stadium for that game next weekend. Again, you can find the tickets at Ticketmaster, the Bank of America box office, or by logging on to charlottefootballclub.com. But before we do anything against L.A., we have to figure out how to get past D.C. United, an original club in MLS and one that came off of a very disappointing eighth-place finish a year ago. Uh, It's a team that is renewed under second-year manager Hernan Lozada. We had a chance to chat with a man who has a lot of soccer coverage experience in this basically what I would call this league that really is continuing to grow, but one of the real first fruits of that league was D.C. United, and the soccer insider for the Washington Post, Stephen Goff, had a chance to stop by with us to talk about the team we will see on the pitch at Audi Field in Southeast D.C. on Saturday night. And on the Crown Corner Podcast, time to do a little bit of opposition research as we look at D.C. United for the first time. Team that finished eighth in the East last season, 14, 15, and five. made who covers them for the Washington Post is Stephen Goff, and he joins us on the Crown Corner Podcast. Stephen, Will, and Jess here with you. Uh, we're happy to kick this off, and we're happy to do so against a traditional MLS side. And I guess from your aspect at 30,000 feet, what have been your impressions from Charlotte FC from afar?
5: I uh, certainly sold a lot of tickets. Uh, so that's a good sign. Uh, seems like there's a lot of enthusiasm in the city. Um, you know, this is common for expansion teams in MLS. Uh, there's certainly a, a pretty extensive honeymoon period for the team, um, the competitive side of things. Um, and the, the first priority is to uh, to get the business side and the marketing and everything else up and running. And, and it seems like those are uh, those are in place for Charlotte.
0: In terms of just where you feel like this D.C. United group is right now, Stephen, just because of the fact that they had a lot of changes second year under Hernan Lozada, what does this team look like uh, from what you've seen in the preseason?
5: Yeah, no, there have been a lot of changes. Uh, but, the, you know, the core of the team has remained um, – you know, largely the same, especially defensively, with guys like Steven Birnbaum and uh, Andy Nahar, Bill Bill Hamid. Um, you know, they, they've they've gone out and gotten some attacking pieces, <clears throat> one of whom won't isn't scheduled to arrive until the summer um, from from Rapa Vienna, uh, and then they just signed Michael Estrada, uh, a striker who's been playing in Mexico, uh, Ecuadorian forward. Um, But, you know, there's some big losses here. You know, Paul Ariola was traded to Dallas. Kevin Paredes was sold um, overseas to to Wolfsburg and the Bundesliga. Um, And several other players were let go. I mean, Lasada came in kind of late in the process last year, and and he's putting more of a stamp on the team this year with the personnel moves. Yeah, a lot of players have gone. And, um, you know, we'll see how things fall into place um you know should be a competitive team how good hard to say it's uh you know mls season teams change uh throughout the year it's, this isn't like other sports where your your team is pretty much set for most of the year so uh we'll, we'll see how it goes with them
1: and you look back to last season and you mentioned, you know it's the first year a transitional year when you look at the numbers you're the team that has scored equally second the most amount of goals conceded the third amount of goals in the East. What do you think that tells you about the system? It's exciting, obviously, but risky defensively. Do you think that's something that they've tightened up this season so far in preseason?
5: Yeah, I mean, he wants to play an entertaining, open style, high pressure, uh, counterattacking, just pounce on uh, opponents um, when the ball turns over. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it does expose you um two counters it's, it's just the style he plays um you know defensively um they are they are pretty strong with mm-hmm. guys like burn and uh, hamid and his experience there uh brendan heinzik um but you know they they get a lot out of their wing backs um Absolutely. and this year well last year julian gressel was fantastic serving in balls from the right wings wing back position uh, the left side was supposed to be Kevin Paredes' job. Um, he was traded uh, he was sold overseas. um they brought in Brad Smith, a, a veteran player from from Seattle. Uh, so yeah, we'll see I mean they they certainly want to entertain the crowd. they want to bring in some fans and uh, there was some some fantastic uh, attacking performances last year, but like you said, it does expose you at times to uh, uh, expose you defensively.
1: We know even been there are like goals
5: yeah exactly
0: <laughs> and, oh. and there are a lot of parallels I think too with what Lozada brings to the table and what Charlotte manager Miguel Angel Ramirez wants to implement just from the standpoint of you're bringing in a new system that's not exactly tethered to the way a lot of MLS teams play and there was a bit of a learning curve and I, I feel like having a full off season for Lozada Will certainly help. And, and I think the same thing can be said for Miguel and how over the course of this season, uh, with more games and more reps and experience, this group will at least attach more to the game model than it might have at the beginning of the year.
5: Yeah. You know, it takes time, uh, especially with an expansion team where all the players are new to each other, um, except for a few that have, that have played, uh, together on other teams. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's, a it's a long process uh the advantage mls gives that you know almost every other soccer league in the world doesn't provide is time in that you know you have uh you have a playoff system um you do not have relegation so you can take some chances and um let things fall into place where the the results the urgency of the results um are not as high because you know, you know you can get in the playoffs, your season does continue if you finish you know fifth sixth seventh place, um, and there isn't that fear of relegation, so uh, yeah you know it's a it it's a process and, and players will or will not take to it um, that's uh, that remains to be seen with with any team.
1: Look, there's one player that the Charlotte locker room is obviously circling on their whiteboard as someone they need to mark out the game, it's Ola Kamara. Second uh, in the golden boot race, flip your mindset for a little bit. You're used to wanting to know how he's successful. If you're Charlotte's defensive line, how do they handle a player of his caliber?
5: Well, I don't think he'll play uh, this weekend. He's uh, he, he hasn't played at all this preseason um, for health and safety protocols. Um, he's supposed to rejoin the team this week uh, rejoin training. He was not in California with them. Um, and he's also on the trading block. Um, it doesn't look like anything's going to happen imminently, uh, but he's in the last year of a contract. So there's, mm-hmm. there's other issues going on. Um, but a player like Lasada or a player like Michael Estrada, who, uh, sorry, a player like Kamara and a player like Michael Estrada, who will probably start, uh, this weekend. Um, you know, it involves close marking, um, you know, don't give them the space. The other day, DC United scored both goals off set pieces, both set mm-hmm. up by Julian Gressel. Um, one of them was a header by Estrada off a free kick. Uh, so, you know, set pieces, as usual, um, are key to, to any team's defensive effort. Um, and, uh, you know, whether a guy like Kamara or Estrada or someone else is out there, that's what you, you need to, you need to focus on.
0: Is is there a better man on the flank in MLS than Julian Gressel?
5: He's pretty good. He's um, he serves a terrific ball. Um, the other day, one came off a free kick, which was whipped in, you know, perfectly. Uh, the other one was a corner kick, which Burnbaum put away. Um, yeah, Gressel's fantastic. Um, he's really taken to that wing back position for DC. Um, you know, when he came to dc from atlanta he was you know more of a winger uh played up a little higher in the attack here he's a little farther he's a little deeper um but uh certainly a, an incredible weapon for dc coming from a, a deep line position
0: is the formation kind of- for uh lazada more of a three at the back just because you have nahar's ability to go forward are they more content mm-hmm. to do three at the back Or potentially you know go to four and have nahar kind of as a floater
5: yeah no they they like playing three in the back with two wing backs um nahar is the you know the, the guy on the right side of the three man um but he's a unique player because he's he has natural attacking instincts he's been an attacker most of his career uh he's found a place there with dc and and he'll you know he'll come up and and join the attack either on the wing or even centrally, and then Dressel will sit back and and cover for him. But um, you know you can make the argument that Nahar was one of their best three attacking players last year. Um, you know he just he just has this unique ability to come out of the back um, and and uh, create opportunities.
1: His footwork's incredible too. I watched a video of him pretty much maradonnering on the halfway line and breaking in, it's, an, it's incredible. And I think what makes that so difficult for the defensive team is the fluidity. You know, if you're Charlotte FC, you don't know what angles they're going to be attacking yeah. from because it can be players that you don't expect to have to mark. On, on yeah. that note, when we do broadcast, we like to talk about keys to the game. It's the ways that, you know, that they'll be looking to really focus on through the game. If you're DC and you had two keys to the game, how do you feel they'll be handling uh, taking on Charlotte on Saturday?
5: I mean, the onus is on them. They're at home. It's the home opener. They're playing an expansion team. Um, expectations are higher this year in general. Um, expectations are certainly high when you start the season at home against a new team. Um, you know, I think the the pressure will be on D.C. to take the initiative and put mm-hmm. pressure on them and, and just strangle them, um, strangle Charlotte, when Charlotte's trying to play the ball um, out of the back or Mm -hmm. whatever their tactics are, um, you know, I think DC will press very hard for an early goal and um, just set the tone, set the tone early, um, uh, get a goal, get maybe two goals and, um, you know, really uh, control the tempo and the flow of the match throughout.
0: Steven, I did want to ask you about the Ariola departure because I know us here in Charlotte, I think we were watching that with, uh, with great intentions, thinking that he might come here. Of course, he goes to FC Dallas for $2 million in GAM. I think a lot of people looked at that particular transfer and said, wow, $2 million in GAM. I don't know if that's a $2 million in GAM player. Do you feel like that deal was fair value for, for Dallas? Do you think they overpaid?
5: Um- you know, it's a lot of money um, in, in MLS, uh, MLS parlance. Um, you know, Paul is a high-energy, uh, impact guy. Um, he's also been injury Um, You know, he had the ACL a couple years ago. Um, but then this past year, he had a lot of issues with hamstrings, um, which cost him some national team time. Um, You know, you could certainly attribute part of that to Lasada's demands, physical demands, Mm -hmm. training demands that it took a toll on Paul and other players. Um, Yeah, I mean, from a D.C. standpoint, I think they, you know, they hated to lose Paul, but the amount of money that they received and the amount of resources they have to to build, rebuild the roster is 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 pretty impressive. Um, you know, you know, Paul's not a huge scorer. He is, he can score goals. He can set up goals. Um, Great guy to have on your team. He's going to work. He's going to work hard. Um, Is it worth $2 million? That, you know, it's, that's hard to say Uh, from a production standpoint. No, because he's not a, you know, he's not like a 20 goal scorer or anything like that, but uh, certainly an influential and key key part of any team he will play for.
1: Look, I'm not very good at predictions at all myself, but going off the vibe of where DC United fans are at mentally, where do you think they would be satisfied with finishing in the conference this season?
5: I think getting in the playoffs is, is pretty mandatory for this group. You know, they just missed out last year. Um, the expectations were pretty low last year. They mm-hmm. exceeded them late into the summer, and then they faded at the end and just missed out. And I think that was, that was very disappointing. Um, this year, certainly getting in the playoffs um, is, uh, is the a, is a prerequisite. They need, they need to take that next step and that's to get in the playoffs. Losadas talked a lot during training camp about not just getting in the playoffs, but being a team that could win in the playoffs and not just getting in and getting knocked out right away. Mm-hmm. Um, So so that's their goals. Um, It's a you know, it's still a roster building process. And, um, you know, uh, this is a team that 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 should take the next step this year.
0: The first of two times that we see DC United this season once more here in Charlotte, but of course we kick it all off for real beginning on Saturday when Charlotte FC visits DC United, Stephen Goff, your credentials precede you and they are certainly very great. And we certainly appreciate the time and we look forward to a good match on Saturday. Thank you so much.
5: Excellent. My pleasure guys.
0: That is Stephen Goff who joined us again yesterday uh, here on crown corner as we bring you into game week and match week for charlotte fc against united i do feel like with both of these clubs you're going to have some questions up front especially if there's no swiderski and if there's no kamara for dc it could be more of a defensive minded contest i'm not saying nil nil draw jess but i do feel like from that standpoint you have to figure out who's marking julian gressel if you're on defense and if you are charlotte It's all about whether or not you can continue to beat out those uh, numerical inferiorities to get some more chances up front. Like Miguel and Anoramirez said, we need more balls in the box in order to try and create chances at goal.
1: Look, 100%. I agree with you, Will. I think it's an interesting component is that both sides are potentially missing their firepower up top. They're going to have to look and adjust their systems uh, in terms of both sides. So that could be very interesting. It's going to be a little bit different lineups that we would have expected looking into this one previously. Uh, I think one of the biggest challenges for Charlotte FC is going to be dealing with a high press. We know that DC United wants to play a very exaggerated press. They want to step to the ball. They want to force turnovers and make it very difficult for the defenders to play out the back. So When we talk about a challenge, this is a great challenge to get started for Charlotte FC. And you know what, Will? I think away from home, a nil-nil would be a take take awayable result. I wouldn't leave DC feeling disappointed if defensively we were able to shut the opposition out, not concede. That would be a great sign. And as long as we're creating opportunities up top, if you're missing your top striker and you can hold a a good, strong playoff contending side to nil-nil, I don't think you look at that as a bad result.
0: Well, I also feel like, too, with a, with a high press, Jess, and I almost feel like in, in talking to Miguel and talking to the players, you know, they invite something like that because mm-hmm. that's something that I feel like stretches out the line of confrontation. And because of that, it allows you to play the ball into more open space, which allows you to get odd man advantages going the other way. And, and I do feel like, again, Everyone looks back to the Charleston matches saying that was incredibly glaringly bad because of how they struggled against the press, but they were much better at it against Columbus to the point Mm -hmm. also with Miami where Miami wasn't even pressing. So they were allowing a free escort in the middle of the park. And I feel like that part of it is when you figure out a way or at least show an aptitude in being able to handle the high press, that will cause an opponent to back off and it will allow you to control possession a lot more in your favor.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Well, I think that it's, again, I use the phrase high risk, high reward uh, very often with this system. It's a high risk because if you get caught under pressure while you're making those passes, you're in your own goal box or you're creating a very good attacking uh, position for the opposition. If you get it right though, and they've given you these players, There's a lot of space from where those players have come from. So I'm so excited to see it in action. I think it's going to be a thrilling game. Both teams play open systems. It it could be a nil-nil. It could be a 3-3. It could be who knows. All that matters Mm -hmm. is that Charlotte FC is getting to kick off their first game, Will.
0: You mentioned risk. One of the first things Miguel Angel Ramirez said to me in our initial interview, which you can see at WFNZ.com from a couple of months ago, what is life without risk? uh, (laughs) I, I like that about him and our head coach. We had a chance, and we will have a chance during every podcast, to focus on the supporter groups, the five that are not only the supporters' council groups that are recognized by Charlotte FC, but also some of the smaller groups. We're going to highlight some of the different watch parties that are happening for the opening contest, but we did also want to talk with a member of one of those supporter groups, and we had a chance to catch up with Mid-City Collective President David Gussler here on Crown Corner. On the Crown Corner podcast, a feature we will do for you every week here. It is the supporters spotlight. We will go around all the different supporter groups that support this great club and one that has basically taken the entire city of Charlotte and the rest of the Carolinas by storm is Mint City Collective. And I bring the brand new scarf that we have from the president, David Gusler, who is their uh, fine head over at Mint City Collective. He joins us here on Crown Corner. Uh, welcome to the season, David. Thank you so much for taking some time with us.
4: Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me on and then I'm excited to be on the Crown Corner with y'all so looking it's, forward it's to this great, season.
0: It's great to have you. Um for those who are new to the supporters group culture, there we're dealing with a lot of fans who are new to the game of soccer at least domestically. This is a uniquely American idea, and it's something that I feel like is a hybrid from what happens over in Europe and also uh, what we have here maybe at the collegiate level when it comes to student sections. It's kind of the melding of those two philosophies. Not only what do you feel like your mission is as a supporter group, but how did you guys come to start Mint City Collective?
4: Yeah, so um, we started almost back in 2019. So it's a group of folks that just had heard rumblings or rumors that Charlotte might be in a bid for a MLS team. Um, Folks from all over the Carolinas and Charlotte, some having soccer experience, some not having any soccer experience or knowledge, and really just collaborated and wanted to make a supporter group that represented um, not just Charlotte, but really the Carolinas as a whole, or anybody that calls the Carolinas or Charlotte home. So um, 2009 came. Obviously, we we all know the the history of how the the team came to be announced in December, and um, we kind of hit the ground running from that perspective, right? And so 2019, 2020, we're excited having the club build. Started seeing different chapters throughout the Carolinas, and mostly in Charlotte, kind of start to pop up. A very similar model to what you see with the American Outlaws, which is the uh, United States National Team uh, Supporter Group, where you have different chapters throughout the United States. Uh, So very similar model. Uh, We just wanted to have something where, you have an overarching and supportive um, head group, but then really a more localized effort where, you know, fans and folks feel more part of the community and being able to um, go to their local establishment or see their neighbors and be like, Hey, we're, we're all part of this together. Um, And yeah, I mean, as you've seen, like we have, you know, thousands of fans or thousands of members that are part of mint city collective, some all the way over in Denver, Colorado, some over in Europe and Germany and England, um, but again, mostly here in the Carolinas within the surrounding area.
1: That's incredible. I have to ask because I was putting on this lovely T-shirt. Thanks for sending it, by the way. Protect the nest. What What is that about? Talk to me about that because that was uh, I asked Will and he didn't know either. So we would love to know. Yeah. Tell us about that.
0: Wait, wait, wait to throw me under the
4: bus, Charmin. That was that's really awesome. <laughs> I
1: didn't awesome. want to be the only one that didn't know.
4: <laughs> no, you're good. So I, that's really kind of like our inaugural season, like, I guess, kickoff slogan. Right. So. Um, for the past, I guess, almost two years, because the club got delayed, um, we we kind of called it day zero, right? So it's kind of the the day before kickoff, and so we built that up. You kind of see that on our initial scarves, um, some of our original t shirts say like day zero, day zero is coming, those kind of things. But really, what we wanted to do for year one is just kind of continue to see the brand and the influence that we have within the logos. We obviously you see the eagle, we have the bird. Um, there's different influences, different influences when you see. Um, our branding so if you go to mintcitycollective.com you can actually see the full story um but if you look at the eagle there's actually it looks like like almost like woven textile within the the, the wings right so that kind of plays to the textile industry and the history that we had here in the carolinas um the eagle protecting the nest um i mean really what we're looking at here is that we're, we're wanting to protect you know with our, our region our, our area our stadium our fans right and have that supporter group and supporter section culture um and obviously Mint City Collective, the name comes from, you know, the history of Charlotte being a used to have a mint here, right? The first one on the East Coast outside of Philadelphia. Um, and that's why you see, like, you know, Mint City Collective. We have a pun on the name with the mint colors. And so um, obviously I'm wearing the scarf tonight. I'm wearing the minted 2022 uh kit. That's right. So yeah, uh within the, the space for it. So I'm um, really excited for it. But yeah, it's just a just a branding for us. It's it's having fun with some of the logos that we have, and we're gonna continue to see different things come out over the years as we continue to grow as a supporter group. I will brag
0: on Jess a little bit because I heard her in another podcast, talk about the collegiality of the supporter groups and those on the supporters council. And we want to make sure that uh, you guys know that we'll be talking to all the groups as part of the supporter council and some of the other ancillary groups every week here on crown corner we'll talk to the folks from southbound and crown next week we're going to talk to uptown ultras blue furia we'll also have the carolina hooligans on here as well and and give you a little bit of the taste of of what these other groups bring to the table as well so it's not just about mid-city but I, i do want to at least give you guys some kudos david just because i do feel like there is and jess and i have done this for a number of different clubs across the country we've seen situations where the clubs are at each other's throats and there's a lack of collegiality between the two and there's animosity that's not the case with this collection of groups not only have we seen collaborative work but we've seen it in varieties of areas, not just from the March, but also from the the chant practices that I've attended and, and some of these other groups have also put on, it's really something to see. And, and I want to applaud you guys for that. And, and just kind of get folks who who might not know some of the inner workings of what you guys are doing, uh, bring some light to those. Things.
4: Yeah. I mean, I, I think credit to all of us involved. Right. And so I, like you said, I've seen different, different supporter groups, different clubs, you have different, I don't say factions, but people kind of sometimes go at each other with it, right? They they have very strong opinions and they want to make it their way and they want to have the intention of their, their members and their fans at heart, right? But um, I think it was a blessing and a curse with having the, the club get delayed by that year with COVID um, just because, frankly, like a lot of us as supporter group members and supporter group leadership, we had nothing else to do because like the club was delayed is that we just kind of like formed this bond and wanted to support each other, right? We were really bored. We we're sitting at home for... X amount of time not doing anything. And so um, I think that really helped bring us together when it comes to that. But behind the scenes, like, yeah, we have a supporter group council when it comes to um, officially recognized supporter groups within the area. But um, I mean, we all work together. We all have a common goal. We just want to have support for the club. We want to have this amazing environment within the stadium. We want everyone to feel welcomed and represented. Like I remember for a while their meant city collective was like one of the biggest, one of the only supporter groups out there for a while. But like we were begging folks and asking folks, like we want more supporter groups out there because we know we won't be the only option or the only choice for people to join. And that's when you see their groups like Southbound Crown pull up, uh, Blue Furia more recently, right? Hooligans, um, Uptown Ultras, right? So they, they they popped up all over the place, which is great. Um, but I think we've all been willing to help support each other um, because we want each other to be successful, and it's not it's not a competition. We're not trying to see who gets what or who has the most say. It's really just, hey, we're all here as fans and we want to make this be as successful as we can and have that amazing environment when it comes to game day.
1: And as Will said, that's not something that's completely common everywhere. Something that I love about supporters groups, at least from the conversations I've had with you, is that it's not just about game day either. It's about community initiatives. It's about nonprofits. It's about charity work. Can you give us a little bit of a detail about what you guys are passionate about when it comes to that walk?
4: yeah so um community is like near and dear to my heart but i know it's also um something that we actually made as a supporter group council decision so one thing that's unique and um within the supporter group council is that we actually require each supporter group that's officially recognized to have a community initiative every quarter right and because we know that we have this reach and we have these memberships that we can do better good for our communities and not just be soccer hooligans per se right we want to make an impact locally and so with mint city collective like in particular uh, we, we do a couple of different things. So I know we have localized chapters throughout the Carolinas. Um, I'll just give a quick plug to like the, the NOTA chapter, um, the Lake Norman chapter. They, they adopt a street. They adopt a highway. They go out into their local community and pick up trash, pick up litter, make sure that the community is something where their neighbors feel proud to be living there, right? Um, we've done things with Block Love locally here in Charlotte where we volunteered and helped you know, feed the homeless here in the Carolinas and uh, provided supplies and sanitary supplies for them. And then other things such as like breast cancer awareness back in this past year, we actually branded, um, mint city collective as pink city collective to kind of bring awareness to breast cancer awareness. And remember that. We to, yeah. Remember like, again. Yeah. So we brought basically donations. We had members like donating and we matched the donations towards that to go towards a, uh, breast cancer awareness within the Carolinas and a soccer tournament that brought both soccer and like cancer awareness and, Uh, preventative measures for it as well. So it's near and dear to my heart. We're going to continue to do it more and more. Um, I know when it comes to game day, we're gonna have a perfect opportunity with our tailgates and pregame opportunities to be able to make an impact with thousands of fans walking by. So stay tuned because we're going to continue to do more within within this space. And David, speaking of the games, we got one this
0: weekend against D.C. United on the road. Uh, Tell folks how they can find you if they're traveling to the nation's capital and also if they're not, uh, where you guys are going to be for your individual parties getting ready to watch our club's first match.
4: Yeah, so um, I'll I'll touch on first for the fans who aren't going to D.C. for us, right? So uh, make sure you go to mentcitycollective.com and you go into the chapters page. You can actually see we have... 13 to 14 different chapters and also future chapters moving forward, stretching all across the Carolinas and North and South Carolina. And every single chapter has a home location or a bar or a restaurant, wherever it is. And they've, they're have they going to be hosting the games there. They're going to have watch parties there. They're going to have specials in some of those places. Um, I will give a shout out and a plug to the Matthews location um, at Bear Temple and Matthews. They, they're going to have a, a food truck. They're going to have specials with drinks. If you wear your Mint City Collective gear, they're going to have – Um, a discount or a potential package for those members there as well, just to watch the game. Um, So definitely like check us out on social. We're posting it all over the place. Each chapter typically has their own social media page as well. Um, So they're going to be there now for the fans that are going to the game. um, So we actually have these different tailgate packages. Um, One of our members, Chris Harmon is actually really passionate and helps support with that. Um, We are actually going to be traveling to DC. We're going to be, Pre-gaming or tailgating at the mission there at the naval yards there near Audie Field in DC, um, and so we're going to be going there, and then we're going to be marching from there to the stadium and being able to watch the the team perform against DC United. So I know we have over three hundred people going to DC, um, so it's going to be a huge. Um, we've almost got two and a half sections full of fans there in DC United. Mm-hmm. So um, super excited about that, and it's only a, you know a small taste of what's to come when it comes to Bank of America
1: on March fifth. And you just let it in. Bank of America, what are the plans for that incredible home opener of a match that we cannot wait for?
4: Yeah, so um, I'm glad you asked because we actually just ended a supporter group council call working on that. So um, we're going to have this amazing tailgate lot not far from the stadium. It's about a half mile down Moorhead. Um, and it's going to be this huge lot. And all the supporter groups are going to be there. They're going to be able to tailgate. We're going to have food, we're going to have drinks, we're going to have music. Um, We're working on some other things behind the scenes to be there in that space, but it's open to everyone. So there's not parking there, but anybody can come and attend. If you want to be a supporter group, check out all the different groups that will be there, Um, but come hang out with us. And then from there, we're actually going to march to the stadium. Um, Obviously, we're going to have our drums, we're going to have our smoke, our banners, our flags, our chants while we make our way to the stadium. And then obviously, when we make it to Mint Street and head into that supporter section uh, part of the stadium, it's just going to be crazy and it's gonna be amazing when we walk in so all of us heading in at one time heading straight to our section within the stadium um, and just ready to make some noise and you know ready the team when they come out for the first time in bank of america you can follow them on
0: twitter at mint city C-O-L-L. you can also find them online at mintcitycollective.com david gussler part of the fine group that heads up that action uh we appreciate the time david we look forward to the game this weekend and thank you so much for for spreading the word about how to get involved with the.
4: thanks for having me y'all and i appreciate it and i look forward to seeing you guys at the tailgate and possibly dc here soon so we'll make it happen yes (laughs) see you soon
0: That is David Gussler from Mint City Collective here on the Crown Quarter Podcast. Will Palacic, Jess Charman back here with you. we got plenty of stuff still to get for you, including Matt's burning questions. But we also wanted to let folks know some of the other places where they can watch and take in the match. Also, if they're going to the game and if they're not going to the game, Jess.
1: Absolutely. So Carolina Hooligans will be at the Bull City Ciderworks in Lexington. The Mint City Mafia. Big Ben Pub. That's somewhere that I want to check out. That sounds very exciting as an English person. And Mm -hmm. Uptown Ultras at the Union and the Queen's Firm Dilworth Neighbourhood Grill. Where else, Will?
0: So Southbound and Crown, my folks, uh, they're spread across South Carolina. They've got a pretty great faction of people at Town Tavern in Fort Mill, but they're also putting a bunch of people up there for the contest in D.C. They'll be meeting uh, at All Purpose D.C. in the Navy Yard, which is right close to Audi Field from 2 until 5 before heading over towards the stadium. They'll have watch parties in Greenville, Charlotte, Fort Mill, as well as Columbia, South Carolina. Plenty of stuff for them. We also want to give you an opportunity to go to the Blue Foria matchup this upcoming weekend as well. Uh, They'll be uh, basically at the Ala Unica Bar and Grill uh, in the south end. It's right there by the Music Yard. They'll be raffling off uh, a pair of tickets to the home opener club seats. So if you go over there for that, uh, you have an opportunity to – take part in the raffle they'll also have some other things that the raffling also there for blue as well uh very much uh, looking forward to uh seeing those uh come together and also uh just mid city collective as we said before has all of these different watch parties across their various chapters uh all that stuff is available at those individual supporter groups pick one uh we're going to be focusing on them throughout the course of the season Find one that's uh, passionate to you, and you have an opportunity to join them uh, jumping around at B of A for these 17 home games. It is now time to bring on the mustachioed maven himself, Matt Hogan, uh, for Matt's Burning Questions. He has been uh, watching our Twitter feed. He's been watching also uh, our Facebook, our YouTube, and Twitch accounts. Matt, what do you got for us for our Burning Questions here to close out the show?
4: All right, by the way, mustachio and maven, that's a new one. I like that. but um, <laughs> so we got two. I'm not even gonna, uh, I apologize to whoever submitted this question, but I cannot pronounce that. Will you have some Z's in your last name so maybe you can. but our first question <laughs> is, what is your highest expectation for CLTFC this season?
0: Go ahead, Jess.
1: I think for me, I want to prove, all of the mainstream doubters wrong. Honestly, I think there's been a real, I've got a bit of a chip on my shoulder as a Charlotte FC fan at the moment. There's been a lot of posts going out lately where it's being predicted that we're going to finish rock bottom. I disagree. Uh, I think that we have a very intelligent manager. I think we have some very great players in the puzzle pieces. We've just got to gel together within that. So I, I think that I just really want to show anybody that's really thought that Charlotte FC isn't going to be able to compete, that we are going to be able to compete. What about you, I think
0: the the biggest thing that for me, Jess, is that this roster is not complete. And I do feel like that's something that the, Sporting director Zoran Carnetta has said on repeated occasions. It's something the manager has said on repeated occasions. And and Tepper sports CEO Nick Kelly has also said they're still working on bringing some more players in. Uh, they are going to try and add some more from the DP reigns and also more up front. They're not shy about that. It's a long season. And while it might seem like it's condensed because we're starting in February and ending in late September, October, is still 34 matches and there's mm-hmm. plenty of time to prove themselves. And something that I believe was said uh, with regards to just the parity. I think Eric Quackauer said this on, uh, on the Mac attack yesterday morning, the league has parity in it and, and the league is set up that any team can beat any other team mm-hmm. on any given day. And, and it really is set up that way. So, for those who feel like Charlotte does not have the technical ability or the ability to, to compete in this league, I say, you know what? This group's going to look a heck of a lot different one to two months from now than they start, and I don't even know. We, know we, don't, we still don't know how they're going to start, so I feel like <laughs> there's still plenty uh, of optimism that I have for this squad, and, and I'll defer to, to Nick Kelly, the Tepper Sports CEO. I want to see a playoff game. I want to see a playoff game in Bank of America Stadium this season. I feel like that's certainly attainable if the right pieces are added throughout the season and the right build continues
4: all right and the last question i have for you guys i know we went a little over so usually we'll have more but today we only have two it's from at real Matt barber and he wonders do you see or do you foresee any additional dps being added this season
1: 100 percent. and as will mentioned in that last answer they've been very vocal as a club that they want to add more players in but what i Yes. Would we ideally have three DPs to play on Saturday? Of course. But something that I'm very passionate about is that it's the right DPs. We don't want to go out and find a player just because they have a big name or they have a decent record somewhere, but they don't fit in the system. Uh, I think we have to be patient and understand that when the player comes, we want someone that fits in with this group of players instead of just being a a big name signing so i do foresee additional dps Uh, i just think they're taking their time to find the right fit and to make sure that everything can go through smoothly
0: you could look no further than our opponent on Saturday when they added Wayne Rooney and DC United, you know, there was a lot of marketing that surrounded that. I, I knew a lot of those guys who, who worked in the marketing department at DC United and they were they were rather bullish and chesty and they were all about, oh, yo, come see Wayne Rooney. And it was almost like a circus attraction for a while there. And then, you know, a month after I was up there, uh, he went away and decided, you know what, I'm not, I'm not doing the MLS thing anymore. And their interest dropped like a millstone. the The club quality dropped like a millstone. And even when he was playing there, it wasn't like they got the full uh, the the full value out of a player like that. So I'm with you, Jess. You know, I'm more on the the side of trying to do measured approaches. And it's not as if this group has not looked at. I mean, uh, Nick Kelly brought it up. There's been two or three that could not get over the line for factors that didn't necessarily have anything to do with Charlotte FC. Paul Arriola, I'm sorry. He's not a two-million-gam player, and I don't care if he scores when Charlotte plays D.C. or when plays uh, FC Dallas later on this season. I just don't feel like that was uh, a strong uh, use of money. And even if so, if it was a tie goes to the run of the thing, you know what, I feel bad oh, right, that Charlotte's not the one spending that $2 million in GAM. that would have been an overpay for me. Uh, the darwin Machis issue is something that, you know, was left for whatever reason not over the line. I do feel like it's something that they're going to try and find a player that's, that's like that that can – fill in that they can get over the line it was one player that they were trying to sign over in europe that got injured when he was uh basically right on the verge of signing so it's these types of things that happen as part of a build you have to add 30 players in terms of that you know in an off season you're normally trying to add normally four or five or five or six charlotte had to add 30 and for those of you who say that you know, they, they had all this time to build. It's not like you're going to pull somebody off their squad in the middle of the season to play for a squad that's not playing. They really have only had, realistically, Jess, since the end of the MLS season and, and, and really uh, since the middle part of the domestic seasons overseas. Because at the same time, uh, the way the MLS calendar works, it works Contrary to the way that the European calendar works to the South American uh, calendar works, they start their calendar mostly when our basically fall season begins. And as a result of that, you do feel like that that puts MLS expansion clubs at a bit of a disadvantage because it's hard to pull guys away midseason, especially with that limited transfer window.
1: A hundred percent. And we saw Charlotte FC try to do that. They put a couple of players on loan at Charlotte independence to give them some time, but it, it's difficult. It's not as easy, you know, and as I keep, I've said on numerous occasions as well, MLS is a very unique league and, and American soccer is very unique in that we're still creating franchises. That That's not something that's usual. So it's also difficult to sometimes drag people away from a club that has a history that has a build up, that now is trying to go to somewhere where they have no idea. They have no idea what Charlotte FC is about. So it's a different kettle of fish, but I I truly believe that we're going to be just fine.
0: And Christian Kalina even said this. You know, when you when a club starts up overseas, they start like the fifth division down. Mm. They don't <laughs> they don't have to play at the top flight league right away. It's something that's very unique to American soccer. And and maybe they would have been served to to play maybe a year down in uh, in the second division, kind of like St. Louis is doing. But I do feel like this is the right build. The right people are in place. I love the squad that we have, and I'll be proud to see them play. In DC, coming up on Saturday night, and I'm looking forward to a fantastic season. We're looking forward to a great season with you here on Crown Corner. We'd like to thank our guests on this program: Anton Walks, Stephen Goff, and David Gusler. We'll have plenty more to bring you this week. I know we went a little bit over our one-hour scheduled time that we usually are trying to do here with you on Crown Corner. We'll try to keep it to an hour at the most in future weeks, but went a little longer just because this was the first one and we had a little bit of intro at the beginning. But uh, remember. Charlotte FC and DC United will be on the air at 5.30 on Saturday night on WFNZ, 6 o'clock for the kickoff. And you'll also be able to stream that on the WFNZ app and WFNZ.com. For my partner, Jess Charman, and for our producer and engineer, Matt Hogan, I'm Will Pelagic. Thank you so much for watching Crown Corner. We'll be back here next week, Wednesday at 10 o'clock on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. And thank you so much for watching and listening to Crown Corner.